Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. John chapter 13, verse number 34. These are the words of Jesus. They are in red. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, it states these words, John 13, verse 34. And this is our series, one another series that we are in. A couple weeks ago, we looked at acknowledge. Today, we're looking at love, love one another, commands that the Lord uh, gave in Scripture. Verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Amen. The words of Jesus. We need to love one another. Amen. Don't we? Shouldn't we? Amen. Amen. Father, I love you, Jesus, today. God, I'm appreciative, Lord, of our time here this morning. I pray, oh God, if you can use this, this vessel, help me, God, to be a vessel, Lord, for your use. Help me, God, to say what you want me to say and refrain me from saying, God, what I shouldn't say. I pray, oh Lord, God, today, let your perfect will be done. God, that we can fall in alignment, God, with whatever that may be for this morning's service today. We'll love and appreciate you, God, for your help, Lord, in this endeavor. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen, amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him I love you. (laughs) I'm not convinced. You may be seated. (laughs) You may be seated. So a couple weeks ago, we've had uh, just one week, I think, that we've been off this. But a couple weeks ago, we started this one another series because... Within the New Testament scripture, there are, there are several of these one another verses. I think there's 94 or the terminology one another at least 100 times in the New Testament scripture. But within 94 verses, this one another verbiage happens. And I think it is about 47 of them or so or are commands. They're commands to, to people, commands to individual, individuals. And so in the process of studying this, I took all of those uh, particular commands and kind of divided them under headings that I thought would be important for us because many of them uh, speak along the same subject matter. And so I just kind of grouped them together. And so a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about acknowledging this morning, going to talk to you about loving one another in weeks to come. We'll talk about serving one another or pacifying or living at peace with one another and also exhorting one another the word one another I say word because in the Greek language it is just that it is one word it's not two like it is in our English Bibles but that word in the Greek is all alone which means it's expressing an action that is to be done in two if not more directions carries the idea of each other something that is to be done mutually or something that is to be reciprocated to the other uh, they would they would seem to be 
that these words, they, they give the same or the, 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 the equivalent or proportion with our purpose for talking about love. We're talking about two individuals, two or more individuals that are giving the same type of love toward one another or an equivalent love toward one another or the same proportion of love toward one another. If you'll remember, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago that in the context of the scripture that we read today as Jesus was talking to his disciples, what that basically meant was this, is that if John showed a certain level of love to Peter, then Peter was to mutually love or reciprocate that love back to John at the same level that he received that love from John. And so it's a reciprocated love, a mutual love, one for another. Amen. And this, this need for each other or this one what I call the one anotherness I just made that up okay don't be looking for it that this need for this one anotherness throughout scripture is well founded it's a biblical principle that we need one another regardless sometimes how we would wish to quarantine isolate ourselves or push off in a corner and keep people at arm's length the reality is this we need one another amen uh, it is something that is denoted from the very beginning, as we did two weeks ago, from the very beginning in Scripture. God seen very plainly that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he brought a woman into his, wife, his life that he could make his wife to have a help meet so that they could practice this one anotherness on the most deepest levels since they were husband and wife. So uh, it's something that we should not undervalue, though, even from the very beginning of Cain with his brother Abel undervalued, said, am I my brother's keeper? You know, so this is something very important, yet at the same time, oftentimes, undervalued. And that goes to reason with, with many facets in our life. It seems like sometimes the things that we should uh, uh, have that should be an uh, integral part of our lives are things that we undervalue. I guess it's because we become calloused to the idea and the concept. And since that is the case, then we start to undervalue those things that are of most importance or at least should be uh, to us. Uh, even Jesus uh, spoke to us concerning this one anotherness. I spoke a couple weeks ago, and I'll probably be redundant in this series, how the Lord even brought 12 disciples in under his wings, so to speak, to teach them, direct them, three in a little bit closer than the rest. Whenever he even sent out the, the 70 disciples into the cities and towns uh, with purpose, he sent them out two by two into the cities that he would come because of this idea, understanding a man or an individual, man, man or woman, an individual needs the company, needs the support, needs the words, needs the environment of having another individual alongside them having another individual alongside them. And so a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, the phrases in Scripture that say, greet one another with a holy kiss or salute one another with a holy kiss. And we come to understand that those words greet and salute was the, the, the idea and concept being conveyed that we need to acknowledge one another. We need to acknowledge one another. And it using the vice of a kiss, which is, was a cultural distinction for their day. For us today, it might be a handshake. But nevertheless, the concept was this. In order to do that, you had to be physically there. You know, you need to be there. 
It's like somebody calling me on the phone in need of help, and I can, you know, give them words and platitudes over the phone, but it's a whole other thing for me to show up in the middle of their mess and help them out. Amen. To physically actually be there. And so we needed to acknowledge one another. And the take-home lesson, I hope, greatly from two weeks ago was this, is that the reason why we need to acknowledge one another, and I, I set up the series as such as first acknowledging one another, is because when we get to this week of loving one another, we will least less likely love someone that we're not willing to acknowledge. You remember that? Well, less likely, you, you, you're probably not going to acknowledge somebody or not love somebody that you, you, you don't even acknowledge, that you don't even give some type of, uh, you know, head nod or some type of uh, idea or concept toward them. You know what? I know who you are. Uh, I'm willing to invest in you. I acknowledge you. I'll count you as my own, my friend, my relative, or even a stranger, whatever. I, I'm going to acknowledge you. And so when we read through all this, according to what I can see, around one-third of all of the one Another commands in scripture instructs us to love one another about a good third a good third of them instructs us to love one another that tells me two things it tells me the importance of the command within itself and it tells me that we need a constant reminder amen it tells me that we need a constant reminder 15 times from what I could deduce Amen, whether it says just plainly love one another or that idea is carried. Fifteen times in the scripture, in the New Testament, the Bible is telling us, calling us to love one another over and over again. Three different authors are quoted of writing this in their books. It's in eight different books within the New Testament scripture. Amen. And it is, here's a major thing right here. It is one of the few one another statements in scriptures that Jesus comes directly forward himself and gives the command. Sometimes we get the one another commands maybe second tier information. It comes through Peter or it comes through Paul. But this is one of those statements that is directly given by Jesus Christ that we can see in John number 13. So there is a lot of importance, a lot of weight here for Jesus that he didn't send Paul to tell you or Peter to tell you. He came himself to tell us love yeah. one another. Now look. In John 13, whenever Jesus speaks these words, look at, the, look at the setting and the environment that he's telling his disciples this. In, in verse number 31, I think it is, Judas has already went out. The supper being ended, he has already went out making preparations to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. A little later, verse number 38, Jesus is telling Peter, I know you said you go to prison and even to death for me, but here is the, the rest of the story, Peter. He says, in reality, you're going to deny me three times before the, the, the cock crows twice. And we're just a few short hours removed from all the agony that, that Jesus would experience in Gethsemane seemingly by himself and the crucifix up on Mount Calvary just hours away, and in the middle of all of this type of environment and setting, Jesus is saying, Judas is going to betray, Peter's going to deny, everybody's going to flee whenever I'm dying. He says, so I'm telling you all, you need to love. You need to love one another. For that matter, he has already been telling them, I'm not always going to be here. So if you want me to be the umpire and the initiator of keeping you guys 
in tune with each other, I'm not always going to be here. So as a parting command to y'all, I'm not always going to be around to make sure it happens. Love one another. Now, I'm thankful for when the Lord does come down and he spanks our bottoms and he kind of sets us in the right direction. But there are more days I'm living just with you all. Amen. And he's not like an encouraging, uh, an encouraging parent in literal flesh in my family that whenever I wake up in the morning, I go eat at the breakfast table and Jesus is sitting there and saying, now, Paul, honey, now remember to love other people today. <laughs> no, I, I, need to, I need to love. He gave us a parting, a parting word, love one another. And it's important today that we do this. And so why, though? Why would, why would Jesus deem it necessary to command this. Probably the same reason why it is necessary in the setting of the church for us to be repetitious in our teaching on various subjects over and over again. I mean, how many times you heard somebody preach or teach around here on worship? How many times you heard somebody preach or teach around here on tithing and giving? Probably for the same reason that we do all those things. I like what author Robert Fulgram said. He said, because the love boat always leaks. The love boat always leaks, whether it's in your marital relationship, whether it's in your relationship with God, or whether it's with your relationship with your fellow man, whether it's your relationship with sinners. I'm smiling because I'm happy. Amen. Jesus, though, presents this commandment in John 13. He says a new, everyone say new. He says, a new commandment, a new commandment I give unto you. A new commandment. But the Bible tells us in Leviticus 19 and verse 18, Brother Zach has for me, this idea and concept was shared all the way back in the book of Leviticus. He says, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Yet yet Jesus comes here in the New Testament and says, this this new commandment I give you, that, that, that as I have loved you, that ye also love one another now now the word new here in john 13 here is is not the greek word neos which means new in time but the new the word new here in the new testament right here in john 13 is a greek word that means new in form or quality or different in nature or something fresh Something unique. In other words, this isn't the first time this concept of love has been initiated. He says, but this is new because this is a love of a different form. This is a love that is unique and different, if you will, in nature. This then was a a new on a level of being. Here it is, because here's here's the little side note. A, A love on the level of being as I have loved you. It's new in the sense because we have a qualifier here now. It's not just to love your neighbor. That's subject to interpretation. But it's love your neighbor as I have loved you. See, so what he did here, he brought man's man's love for one another, particularly at this time he's talking to his disciples. The disciples, their love for one another being on par, being on the same level which God 
which Christ had loved them. Now that changes everything. Me tell you, me to tell Bob that I want him to love Brother Gregory over here. I want you to love Brother Gregory. And then me to tell Bob, Bob, I want you to love Brother Gregory as God has been loving towards you. Now that changes. No matter how, how you cut it, folks, that changes. That's a new commandment. That, that's a unique love. That is a unique love. In the known day here during the writing of the New Testament, during that known day, there were about three basic ideas or even Greek words, if you will, for love. All right? There was the eros love from which we get our word erotic. There was the eros love. It's a romantic love. The type of love that, that may take place, you know, when someone is infatuated or taken up with, you know, stars in the eyes and an erotic, a romantic type of love. But there was also a filio type of love. Philadelphia, what is that? The city of what? The, Philly, the, the, the city of brotherly love. The philo love, which was a brotherly or a friendship type of love, a love that a person may have for a friend or some, one of their peers. Uh, there was the, the, the storage, the stor, storge, that's the way it's really pronounced, storge love, which was a natural love, which was a family love, the love that a, 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 a parent might have for a child or a child may have for a parent. That was, in the first century, that was by and large the only type of loves that they they knew of but what Christ brought into the picture loving even as he loved people what he brought into the picture was a an agape love an agape love wasn't a romantical love it wasn't a just a friendship type love and it wasn't a parental uh, and child family type love agape love was a sacrificial amen a sacrificial love Amen. Agape love wasn't a common concept in the first century. And so whenever he said, I give you a new commandment, this was absolutely new to them. They knew Eros love. They knew brotherly love. They knew family love. He said, but I'm talking to you about a sacrificial love, a sacrificial love. And he says, here's the thing. He said, this might be difficult for some of you all to keep and to maintain and to emulate, not only for them, but even in today's world. Someone say amen. <laughs> and, and listen, although it may be at times difficult to maintain or emulate, that doesn't exempt us from loving as he loved to one another. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean we throw in the towel. Just because something's hard doesn't mean we sit down and say, well, we'll just leave this to someone. No, no, no. We got to rise to the challenge. Amen. Agape love is unconditional love. You don't love because you were loved. You don't love because somebody scratched. This is not you scratch my back, I scratch your back type of love. This is unconditional love. It's a love, listen, it's a love, it's not a love that's based upon how you make me feel. All right? It's a love that's based upon I'm going to choose to treat you with a love and a compassion regardless of how you make me feel. The agape love of Christ in, and that we should emulate 
and that we should share with one another is really this. We've said it a hundred times, but a hundred and one is good saying. Jesus commanded, he commanded them, he commanded them to love, all right? But what he was doing was not commanding a feeling. This is where we get it wrong in modern day society. We always want to associate love with feelings. We want to associate even the agape love of the Lord with feelings. Amen. But he commanded them to love. He wasn't commanding them to feel. He was commanding them to make a choice. Because that's what the agape love of God really is. It is a choice. It's not a feeling. Amen. Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If that was based upon the premise of feeling, who in the world would you ever want to die for? That was in opposition to you. Would you want to die for the person that was putting the the thorns upon your head and the spear through your side and and the nails through your hands? No, no, no. This is not a love based on feelings. This is a love based upon choice. This is fallen humanity. I'm making a choice to go to the cross, to stay on the cross. I'm laying down my life. Nobody's taking it. He says in the same manner we need to love one another. I don't like them. Who cares? You don't have to feel like you like them in order to love them. Because love is a choice. Dear friend, uh, uh, Imogene, she, whenever Grandpa Holland was alive, Imogene, he had a duplex. She lived on, she lived on one side and he lived on the other side. And they just they they just got to know each other. They were they were not uh, they had no romantical type of love, uh, but they they just were friends with one another. And she would come at Christmas time, different times when we were down there, just as part of the fact she didn't have no relatives around there. So we just took her in, amen, and made her one of our own. And she would man, she'd buy gifts for us. We'd buy gifts for her. She loved snowmen. She had so many snowmen, it was ridiculous in that little space that she had, amen. But nevertheless, she would all times say this, and I always it, it proves the point very well. She'd all times tell me or my wife or whoever that she was close to. She'd tell them, I love you. And she would pause just just for the effect. She said, I love you. She said, and I like you too. Because she understood love's a choice. Liking the feeling of all of that is a whole nother thing. Meaning that she could love you and not like you. Thank you, Imogene, because we get the misconception that if I don't have feelings toward them, if if they are not likable to me, then I can't by no means love them. You got it wrong. You can love people you don't like. How do you think the Lord could command his disciples that they were to love their enemies? How do you think he he was able to tell them that and that they could get that accomplished if it all hung up on feeling? No. He told them to do that because he knew love, the agape love, sacrificial love was a choice. Even as he loved them, nobody made God go, nobody made Christ Jesus go to the cross. Nobody could take his life. I know you see the Romans and you see the Jews and they're doing all this, but nobody did that. He laid it down. He made a choice. He laid it down. 
And he says, so I command you to love. I command you to make a choice. Because listen, there are days in the body. Let's get honest with one another. There's days I like you more than I don't like you. And there's days I don't like you. It even happens within my home. Now, you know, you say whatever you want, laughing, Brother Mike Trout, but there's days, sister, Trout's hard to deal with. But that doesn't change the fact that you love her. There's days I'm hard to deal with for some of you all. But that should change the fact that you love me because love, again, is not based upon how you feel about me. It's a choice. See, that's how modern-day America is out of kelter because when the Bible talks about husbands should love their wives and so forth in Ephesians chapter number 4, the word that he uses is not eros, not not philly, not not storge. It's not any of those. It's agape because this is where we're wrong in modern-day America because people come to the office and say, well, I just don't love them anymore. And they're attributing everything to a feeling. I was in love when we started, but I just don't feel that way anymore. There's where you're wrong. You don't just end everything because you don't feel like loving them on a certain day. Love is a choice. And if you chose on certain, certain day of the month, how many years ago that you chose to love them, forsaking all others, sickness and health, then how many more years removed the same choice you made then you can make right now and choose to love them. fall in love and out of love. No, you choose. Well, I can't love them anymore because they, see, you're making, you're making an attachment to what you can't do because of the way they're acting. That's not agape love. You own your own choice for your love. Someone say amen. And so Jesus sets the standard, as I have loved you. Man wrote this, that was their He said, love has a hem to her garment. The hem is H-E-M. Love has a hem to her garment that trails in the very dust. It can reach the stains of the streets and the lanes. And because it can, it must. We got to love one another. Now, now this, is, this is really a twist, though. When you consider this love another, love one another statement, this is really a twist on the one another commands that we have in Scripture, and particularly this one on love. Because, again, the one another implies or forecasts that we love one another mutually or re- reciprocally. We, we reciprocate the same type or level of love to one another. Again, as John would love Peter, then Peter would return and love him back to the same degree of love that John had showed that love to Peter. But... If John is loving Peter to the degree that Christ loved him, then John must love Peter even if it's not reciprocated. Wow. Even if it's not mutual. So we have a little twist here in the scripture because Christ puts in the little footnote, even as I loved you, that's an unconditional love. And know what Christ said, 
this, this unconditional love, this loving one another is going to be the proving ground for people knowing whether or not you are my disciples. He said in verse number 35, by this, the love one another command, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Why? Why, Lord? Why, why would you choose that to be a proving ground of whether or not we were your disciples? I think partly because of this. And I understand Jesus has given this statement to his disciples prior to Calvary, prior to the outpouring of the Spirit. But I believe he was forecasting something into the lives of his disciples and into the lives of those that would truly be followers of him even beyond Calvary, beyond Pentecost. And that was this, being able to love one another with an unconditional love or with a sacrificial love or a love, the agape love, if you will, of God would not be possible if you had not the Spirit of Christ in you. Amen. Because the Bible tells me, Romans 5, 5, Brother Zach McGee, the Bible tells me, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us the agape sacrificial unconditional love of God can only truly be exemplified in a life if that life has the spirit of God you hear me and so he says men will know that you are my disciples Men will know that you are mine when they see this type of love being, being displayed in your life because a man wouldn't be able to have that type of love apart from the Spirit of God. Someone say amen. Dwelling inside of him. And note now, note now, this must be a love that can be seen. You hear me? This must be a love that can be seen. He said, by this shall all men know. If it wasn't a love that could be, if it was just a feeling without any, any attachment of action to it, if, if, if it was just that, how would men know? Huh? So this must be a love that could be seen. It, it was a love that was more than just pleasant thoughts, more than just platitudes, more than just words. It was a love that's in action. Someone say amen. It's a love that could be seen. And so this, this people that are disciples of the Lord, Christians, followers of the Lord, if they have the spirit of Christ in them, then they are our candidates, if you will, for portraying that same like similar manner love of God, amen, to humanity, to their other Christians, to other people within their sphere. They have the ability to do that because they have the spirit of Christ. Here, though, is somewhere where we go wrong concerning this love one another stuff. And let's just think for a moment. We expect people that do not have the spirit to show us that type of love. We expect people that don't have the spirit of God to show that type of love. And you know what? They're expecting those of us that have that spirit to be showing. And the problem is we're holding them to a standard they can't reach without God. And we're not holding ourselves to the standard we should with God. 
just doing a little teaching here some more. Just, just a little teaching. John 15 and verse number 12. Look at this. This is the uh, you abide in me and I abide in you. That, that uh, My father, Jesus says, he's speaking of God as my, this is the husbandman. He says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He's speaking of his, his disciples. He says in verse number 12, he says, this is my commandment. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Look at verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. All right. Going down to verse number 17. I'll read these verses too. I might hit them here again. These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He says here, here it is now. Here is love being seen right here. Verse 13, there's love being seen. Greater love have no man than this, that he laid down his laid down life, laid down his life for his friends. Now, I know, now look, this is John 16. Crucifix hasn't happened yet. Okay? It's not happened. But he's forecasting. No doubt, to a certain degree, I, I, I quibble not at all with, that Jesus is alluding, that he's alluding uh, to his own crucifix, to his own laying down of his life that he will do very shortly for humanity, his literal life, all right? But that's not quite yet happened. I doubt not that he's probably alluding to that. However, however, I believe there is something here to be understood, though, in a man putting, laying down his life, if you will. You're saying, Brother McGee, I got to go to a cross no, you don't. It'd be good for some of us, but no, you don't. <laughs> At least put your flesh up there and nail it there. <laughs> I'm having fun today. But I believe there's an idea here. A man, greater love have no man than he lay down his life for his friends. Because, listen, lay down your life. Lay down his life. What? Lay down your interest. Lay down your interest. Lay down your needs. What are you doing? What's happening in that mode? You're putting someone before you. Lay down, lay down your interests. Lay down your needs for others. You're going to meet someone else's need before you meet your own need. Amen? Going to lay down your life, so to speak. Now look at verse number 19, because this is something very telling right here. Look at verse number 19. Everybody lean in. Just look, do it literally. Can you lean in just a little bit? Y'all not participating. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Look at it now. This is something very telling. He said the world would love his own. The world loved their own. The world, everybody say that with me. The world loves their own. The world loves their own. The word love used there is filio, it's brotherly love, a friendship type of love with each other. Filio love, to get a little deeper into its definition, it's a easy love. An affection because filial love is bent towards our natural taste and preferences. That's the reason why there's friendships. Usually you find some type of vein of similarity between the two of you. It strikes if you of friendship. You have similar interests, similar style, similar something. Amen. So it's that easy love because it's easy to love somebody that's like you are. I said a mouthful, just a few words. It's easy to love somebody like you are. And so here it is. He said the world. Loves their own. 
The world loves their own. Meaning, listen to me, meaning that disciples, even if you love one another with a filial love, a friendship love, a love because you're a part of the same group. Huh? You have similar interests and similar styles. Even if you would love each other with a filial love, he said that just makes you on par with the world. You're no different from the world because they even love people that's just like themselves. They love people just, just like themselves. Matter of fact, how, how, let me ask you, disciples, how would that distinguish you from anybody else if you're doing just the same thing that they're doing because they even love their own? He said, but I'm talking about you need to love one another, and it's by that everybody's going to know you're my disciple. So it's got to be a distinguishing type of love because otherwise you're just on the same par with the world because the, lo- the world even loves their own. He said, but there's got to be some type of distinguishing here, isn't there? There's got to be some type of that. And so I command you to love, not a, not a philo love, but I command you to love an agape love. An agape love. Because see, that's, that's a unique, that's a different, that's, this is a new commandment, a fresh type of love that I'm talking to you about. Furthermore, look, look at Titus 3 3. I don't know if I had that one up there, bro. Titus 3 3. If not, he can get it for me. He's a good guy. He's quick like that. Got nibble finger. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. He said, For we ourselves, Paul here wrote the book of Titus. He said, For we ourselves also were sometimes, look, everybody say sometimes. Uh huh. Foolish. Disobedient. Deceived. You don't have to repeat this, but it's fine. I like it. It's really, it's really encouraging. Serving diverse lust and pleasures, living in malice, envy. Everybody say hateful. Hateful. hateful and hating one another. Paul says that was our past. Paul says a distinguishable trait of our past was that we were hateful and hating one another. Someone say amen. So hating one another for sure wouldn't be proof for being a disciple because that's sometimes who we were in the past. That, that's part of our old life, or at least should be. But then again, just having a filio friendship type of love with one another wouldn't be enough to distinguish us either because even that the world at times loves their own. He says, but when we rise to the position of choosing to show uh, unconditional love, he said, the alarm's going off and the lights are flashing. That's a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ himself because I haven't, I haven't seen love like that since God came down and made himself a body and robed himself in flesh and laid down his life on the cross. You know what people should see through Christians and through our lives whenever we show love? It should remind them of Calvary. So there, there went Golgotha right by right then. The love of God. Now, here it is. How many likes loopholes? Like loopholes in your taxes? And, huh? Everybody likes loopholes. That's the reason why we look for them in the Bible and in church, too. Sometimes we look for the loophole 
of this agape love thing. And a point of order, Pastor McGee, John chapter number 13, whenever Jesus is speaking, point of order, he is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking in the context and the realm of his disciples. And so this type of agape love then is a love. He's telling them to love one another. They should love one another within the sphere and within the context and within the grouping of disciples ought to love each other with a sacrificial love. Christians should love other Christians with a sacrificial love. But that ain't necessarily true that we have to show sinners that same type of love. I got me a loophole, Pastor McGee. This is only used for Christians with other Christians. This, this is only used for people of the faith. Glory. <laughs> you wrong. First Thessalonians 3.12. Comparing scripture with scripture. This ain't the only time this concept and idea has come up. First Thessalonians 3.12. Paul writing, writing to the church at Thessalonica. says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. And toward, look at this three little, three-letter word here, all men, even as we do, toward you. Now, now understand the setting here of Scripture, because we did the setting of John 13. Setting here of Scripture, Paul, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, he is, he's somewhat encouraged because he has sent Timothy to this region, and Timothy is sending back some reports. He's, he's concerned about the welfare of the church that has started here, and so Paul is encouraged because he has received some reports from Timothy, and Timothy has reported that the faith of the Thessalonian believers is strong. Paul, you start a church over there, and the faith of the Thessalonian believers is strong. And the Bible records, you can read it in Thessalonians, that Paul, man, he has a lot of joy due to this. Paul, Paul was happy as a result of this. As a matter of fact, he says in, in, in chapter 3 and verse number, verse number 6, he even looks at it. He, he Basically, although he received a report of their faith and their charity, their love from Timothy, Paul says, man, this is good, this is good. He says, but even based upon good reports of your faith and your love, He's telling them what he told us right here in this verse before us, verse number 12. He says, I want and I desire that the Lord would just even increase. Just increase and make abound your love. One to another and toward all. What? Toward all men. That means all individually, collectively. It means each, every, any, all, everyone, everything, all things. That encompasses more than just disciples. That encompasses more than apostles. That encompasses more than just the New Testament believers in the church of Thessalonica. He says, I want you to love each other, but I want your love to go beyond that. And the love he's talking about here is not eros, not, not, not filio. You can look it up. It's the agape love. In other words, he says, yeah, I want my disciples to love one another, and all people will know that they're my disciples by loving one another, but I want those disciples to love sinners. those disciples to love sinners in the way that I loved them when they were a sinner. Uh 
I, I, I love Sister Rhonda, bless God, because she speaks in tongues and I speak in tongues. We've been both baptized in Jesus' name, glory, hallelujah, amen. We, she's repented of her sins. And my God, she's living a godly lifestyle and everything. And, and she's done well along her sanctification and maturity in the Lord. And, and she, she dresses in such a way that her body's not her own, but it belongs to God. Thank God. And I, I can love her, but woe is me if someone would come in here that didn't look like Sister Rhonda. That's where everybody's looking for a loophole, John 13. Well, that said love one another because we're all disciples of one another. We're all Christians. No! You better love the sinner. You better love the one that comes here stinking because alcohol's upon their breath and they still have throw up on their garment that they laid in the night before. You still better love the one that comes in here with a halter top on, piercings on every part of their body and you can see things that you'd rather not see. You better love them the same way as you'd love Sister Shay, the same way you would love Brother Bob, the same way you would love your pastor. You better... Oh, man! Oh, man, let me tell you, if some of us had the type of love that was different than the love of God, none of us would be saved today. None of us would be sitting on the pew this morning. If we want to emulate a love different from God, none of us would have had a chance. Not You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. But you got to love it. A lot of things I don't, I don't like. I don't like the alcoholic's alcoholism. I don't like this. I don't like that. But the person, I got to choose, Brother Gregory, to love if I'm his disciple, that's the proof in the pudding. I got to choose. And loving them is not hugging their neck when they're here and then talking about him the other days of the week. No, that, sir or ma'am, is what I refer to in the Old Testament as a Joab spirit. Just getting close enough to hug you, but also stab you under the fifth rib. Job had a lot of, uh, Joab had a lot of external kissing on the cheek, but all the while he was stabbing him under the fifth rib, that which was unseen and unknown to begin with as he approached them. Some people's love only goes that deep. Oh, we love you. We're glad to have you at the First Apostolic Church. God bless you. Come back and see us again. But they'll talk to the other one that's a Christian like they are and say, I tell you, my God, they stunk or they were this or they didn't look like we do. You're not loving them. You're doing them no favors. You're not doing the church a favor. You need to get baptized by the Spirit of God again and let the Spirit of Christ overwhelm, overflow your spirit. You. Because you can only love the way I'm talking about if you're filled with His Spirit. you realize then understanding this that this is only really a possibility with those that are filled with the spirit 
This person will never experience that level or that uniqueness of love unless it comes from somebody that knows him. And if they're not experiencing that type of love from the church, they'll go back to the world because at least it loves them at a certain level. I'm coming to a close, Brother Mason. If you'll stand with me this morning. Holy God. Love. Love one another. Love one another context of the church absolutely in context of the church world relationship absolutely love love one another <laughs> Paul told him in 1 Thessalonians 4 9 and I'm closing with this Paul even told him he basically told him he said I, you don't even you don't even have to you really don't even need me to write to you about this you don't even really need me to write to you about this, this brotherly love, which is agape love right there. You can look it up in the Greek. Agape, you don't even really need me to write to you about this because so we all, we've been taught by God to love one another. So I, I, don't, even have to be, I don't even have to be writing to you about this because God, God, God has already set this standard. God, God, God has already made this known. You, you, can re, you read 1 John. Read 1 John, read 2 John, read, read, read uh, 2 John chapter number 5. Because there's only one chapter in 2 John. 2 John 1, 5, you read all that? You know what you're going to see over and over again? He told the elect lady in 2 John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, he told the elect lady, he said, this is what we've been hearing from the beginning. This love, one another aspect. This love. He said, we, we've been hearing this all along. And I think Paul was saying this. He said, you don't need me to write, write this to you. You don't need me to write this to you because th this, this is not something that's been somehow, you know, a document that's in, been in obscurity somewhere. This has been known. God has taught this as himself that we need to have love toward one another. For that matter, I think Paul was wanting to institute the concept that this, is, this isn't a Paul thing. I don't, I don't want to write this to you and everybody point back someday. Yeah, this is the letter we got from Paul that we need to love one another. He said, I don't want you to get the idea. This is a Paul thing. This is a God thing. This God thing. I don't want you to leave here and say, oh, our pastor this morning, bless God, he just preached up. He taught one side down there. We got to love where our pastor taught. No. I'm just echoing your Savior. 
I'm just echoing your Savior. You want to leave this place? You just go tell. You just go tell them this morning. I heard once again how God told us we need to love one another. You don't have to like me to love me. You don't have to agree with me to love me. I don't have to evoke warm fuzzy feelings in you in order for you to love me. How is it we're more eager to receive the unconditional love that we're not willing to give? Honey, we're like standing in line on a Black Friday at the cross waiting to receive the unconditional love of God. But we don't want anybody standing in our line to give what we've received. love her. I'll love her. You give her 15 years in the church. I'll show the love of God to her once she is like me. That's filial love. Similar interests, similar that's filial love. That's not a godly love. I want people people regardless who they are regardless where they've been in life I want them to be able to walk through these doors back here at any service time walk through these doors and when they do I knew it happened every head comes this way <laughs> some of y'all turn back around because you guys are fine but that's what happened. they come in they've never been here before let me get out my checklist. But they don't look like us and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you go through your little judgmental list. Last time I checked, it was still whosoever will. Yes. Oh, that's right. Help us, Jesus. Help us. I'm, getting, I'm getting a little honor here today. They come in. They're looking for a seat. Come, come over, just sit here a little closer to me. Because God forbid if they'd sit down by you. You know, sit over here. Greg's over there. They came in. They're going to need somewhere to see. You know, this is easy access right off the aisle. Come here, Brother Greg. God bless you. You know, we're just so glad to start having a conversation and kind of move in. Why? Because we would not by any chance want them to sit by us. And for sure, don't you ever take a chance of taking somebody like that and inviting them out to a dinner because somebody else seeing seeing you eat with dinner or somebody like that. My God, you're probably backsliding. You know what? Just maybe you're searching and seeking and trying to help draw somebody. Are you willing to lay down your life? I got a I got a reputation. You got to rip a stinking. Mark my words. Anytime Jesus ate with sinners, it's not because he was getting ready to sin. 
many times is because they even wanted to have that connection. The sinner did. He ate with him. Was he trying? He's, he's trying to win him. He's trying to win him. He's trying to love him. I've went long. I accept the verdict on that. But we need an agape love of Christ Jesus to come and marinate our hearts and souls here today. We need an unconditional, sacrificial love to come down and touch our hearts and souls today. One that does not just spill over to our neighbor and to the friend we've been friend with for 10 years in the church that we always go out to eat with. We need an agape love of God that would come down in this place that says, I'm going to love him like Jesus did. I'm going to love him like Jesus did. I'm going to be a piece of God conduit through which the love of God can spring out and touch them and reach them and pull them. They're yearning for something, folks. They're yearning for something. Yes, we need it in the context. In order for there to be unity in this place, we got to love one another. And that is important. I know that's been the thrust of the one another. But today I'm just kind of pushing, pushing the bounds and the limits of that love and of that command. It needs to encompass your fellow man, woman beyond the walls of this assembly. Oh, I, I do. I, I go after my children. Please. Really? Sometimes it's easier to show... Agape love to somebody that you already have storge family relationship love with. I'm talking to you about showing the agape love someone you don't have eros love with, philo love with, any of the other loves with. This is your only point of connection, being sacrificial, being unconditional. These altars are open today, brothers and sisters. Mates, can we bow our heads in this? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.